Number 434, that will be our hymn study, and that will be our invitation song. 434, all hail the power of Jesus' name. As we look at this song and talk about this song, uh, let me just talk about the writer of the uh, song. It was this fellow uh, up here, this picture of him. His name was Edward uh, Pradonet. And uh, anyway, uh, the history says that he lived from 17... 26 to 1792, he wrote the poem in 1779. Now, a lot of the songs would be people who were poets, and they would write songs, and it was somebody else that would put it to music. But here's the fellow that wrote the song. Uh, he was a missionary in India. I don't know exactly. I think he was more associated with the, kind of the Methodist group. And uh, one little interesting tidbit about this Edward uh, Perlnet is that uh, he he didn't want to preach if if John Wesley was in the audience. I mean, he, he felt like John Wesley was like this giant guy of a preacher, and he uh, he just felt like he was like a peon or something, and he was kind of down at the bottom of the of the totem pole. Uh, but he was in the audience, and John Wesley announced, "Okay, Edward is going to come forth and present a lesson tonight." He was kind of a fellow that demanded a lot of respect and uh, responsibility. And, and so, uh, in a very clever way, he got up and said, I'm going to preach the greatest sermon that was ever preached. And he just read the Sermon on the Mount. So, anyway, I thought that was kind of cute. <clears throat> but anyway, we, we look at the song. It, it, it's been called the anthem of Christendom or Christianity. I guess a lot of uh, religious groups that claim to follow Jesus uh, follow the uh, follow the uh, this, this this hymn kind of like an anthem song, and it is a great great song. Uh, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let me just read the first verse. All hail, the, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate, fall, bring forth the royal diadem, uh, and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. And then it says, "You chosen seed of Israel, race you ransom from the fall." Uh, hail him who saves you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. And then repeats that. All right, let's talk about first off the word hail. I mean, we don't use that a lot, but it is an interesting term. It's more of a kind of a kind of an archaic term, but sometimes it is used. Uh, but the idea is of the word hail is to acclaim enthusiastically, to greet, especially. Uh, enthusiastically. The crowd hailed the actress with joy, is an example. Or to acclaim or acknowledge, they hailed him as their hero. As you look up the definition in a dictionary. I like the various synonyms. That is, to acclaim or to give praise or to applaud. So if we all hail the power of Jesus' name, we're applauding, we're praising, we're raving about, uh, to extol, to eulogize, to sing the praises of, or to make much of, or to glory, or to cheer. And that is the ideal and the theme of the song, because Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, and he does have all power. And there are lots of verses that talk about that, him having all power. Matthew chapter, Matthew, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. Jesus says, all power or all authority is given me in heaven and earth. There in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, in Ephesians chapter 1, 
Uh, it says there in number 17 and following. It says, well, Paul kind of, uh, sort of a prayer of Paul when he says in verse 16, cease not to make, uh, cease not to give thanks for you, uh, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of Him. And he prays that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His glory and what is the riches of His glory and uh, of His inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us? Believe, according to the working of His mighty power. So when we sing the song, all hail the power of Jesus' name, He definitely has all power. He has all power in heaven and earth. And He has all power when it comes to our salvation because He is the Savior. He is the Redeemer. He, He's the one that makes it possible through His shed blood. And that's all made provided for us by His grace and by His, His kindness, which He performed in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places. And that was, of course, the proof of proof that He is King of kings and that He is Lord of lords. And that is the fact that He was raised from the dead. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And so Jesus exemplifies power over creation. He exemplifies power over the spiritual creation. And he is the one that is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Paul says there in Philippians 3, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. You see, there's tremendous power in the resurrection of Jesus. It's like the apostles were transformed. I mean, they all cowered and fled when he was betrayed. But then after the glorious resurrection, well, you don't you don't see that. I mean, you see martyrdom. You see uh, being beaten. You see people being uh, being being killed and uh, and suffering for the cause of Christ. That's the tremendous power. One of the great examples of his power, I think, is the story of Lazarus raising Lazarus from the dead. And they come and sent word that he's sick and there's like a four-day delay and he dies before uh, before Jesus gets there. And I want to notice uh, those uh, verses there in John chapter 11. In John chapter 11 there in verse 37, And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Well, yeah. But there was kind of in the, kind of in the scheme of of Christ, that he was glad that he did wait. It says, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself came to the grave and it was a cave and a stone laid upon it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, uh, Lord, by this time he stinks. That is, uh, decay had set in and it would begin to stink. I mean, you've ever passed the road where animals get killed, especially in warm weather. It doesn't take long that bacteria and flies and uh, the bodies begin to stink, and we understand that. And so uh, she says, uh, Lord, by this time he stinks, for he's been dead four days. And Jesus said to him, Say not unto you, say, say, say I not unto you, that you would, uh, that if you would believe, you should see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where Jesus, uh, where the dead lay, and Jesus lifted up, uh, lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I knew that you heard me always. 
But because of this people who stand by, I said it, that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had said, uh, when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. What happened? Well, he came forth. And so did Jesus say, Lazarus, come forth? Well, not exactly. He said, Lazarus, come forth with a loud voice. He came forth. And, of course, then he tells them to unbind him. And maybe a lesson there is, just on the side note, that Jesus doesn't do what we can do ourselves. They were fully capable of undoing the, 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 the cloth, the grave cloths and all that. But what we can't do, Jesus is going to be there to fill in. And what we can do, he expects us to do it. And so when we think about the great power of Jesus, I mean, we think about his power of the miracles that he performed. We think about his power of him being raised from the dead, raising Lazarus from the dead. And you know, someday he's going to raise us from the dead. And that's the promises of the gospel. Because we know, fact one, we're going to die. That's, that's reality. Sometimes when we're young, we just feel like we're just zipping along life and, and death just seems to be like an eternity away, but we don't know that. And so death is a reality of all that we're going to die. And fact number two, we're all going to be raised from the dead and face the Lord in judgment. And so that's why Christianity makes sense. Why? Because we have this eternity that is set in our heart. Ecclesiastes tells us in chapter 3 and verse 11. God put eternity in us. We just have this, re, this incurable religious nature. And so we seek after the Savior because He's the one that has all power. He's the one that, that has and makes sense of how God can forgive sins. One of the first century Greek writers said, well, the gods may forgive, but I don't see how. And that's Probably a good point. And the gospel explains how we can be forgiven. That, Je- that Jesus died and paid the debt of our sins. It says, let angels prostrate fall. Now, well, angels, they worship the Lord. There in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, and again, when he'd bring his firstborn, first begotten into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. Prostrate is to fall down and, and to fall face forward, to fall upon your knees, or to fall uh, just uh, just uh, uh, fall upon the ground. And that's what angels do. They they prostrate. That is, they bend the knee. That is, to give submission and to show respect and, and to give honor. And that, of course, is what we need to do when we all hail the power and we extol when we. When we rave and we think about uh, the uh, uh, the authority of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it's grace, grace that has been manifest. Uh, the song talks about redemption, and this redemption is for who? Well, it's for everybody. And we bring forth, and it, and it talks about uh, talking about bring forth the royal diadem. In the Bible, the word crown, particularly in the New Testament, there are two words that are translated crown. One is the word diadem. That is, talking about regal power and authority, a royal crown. When it talks about our crown, that is, we will receive the crown of life, the crown of righteousness, the the crown of glory. It's from a different word, it's Stephanos, and it means the idea of a victor's crown. The imagery of the Olympics, that people would receive the victory crown upon their head for winning an Olympic competition. That's how it's used in reference to us, that, that we are going to be crowned with the, the crown of glory and the crown of, of righteousness, the crown of life, etc. That is a victory crown. But Jesus received 
the royal diadem. It was prophesied in the book of Daniel of the Messiah ascending back on high. You remember in Acts chapter 2, or Acts chapter 1, Jesus appeared to the apostles and he ascended back on high. And when you look at the, uh, the, the, the accounts there, that he appeared before his disciples for 40 days. Alright, so he ascends back after 40 days. Now, between that 40 day period and the day of Pentecost, the 50th day period, what happens? Well, Jesus ascends back on high and it is his, as it were, his coronation. It says in uh, Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13, And I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. Now, the Ancient of Days is God. And so the text says that he came to the Ancient of Days and that they brought him near uh, brought him near and before him. And there was given unto him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all uh, people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom that shall not be destroyed. And what happens? All right. Jesus, he's crucified. He's buried. The third day he raises up for 40 days. He appears to the apostles because they're going to be the eyewitnesses. And what happens? Well, he ascends back on high. And in this 10-day period, this is when he they bring forth the royal diadem. That, he, that is, he is crowned as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That he is enthroned at the right hand of God upon the throne of his father David that was promised. And he enjoys these blessings. And so it says, and he came to the ancient of days. Now, our premillennialist friends who think, well, now Jesus is not yet reigning as king, but he's going to reign, and he's going to reign for a thousand years here upon planet earth. Well, what's the problem? Well, the problem is, it says that he was given this authority when? Well, when he came to the ancient days, not coming from the ancient days. See, premillennialism is that he's going to set upon the throne of his father David when he comes to set upon the throne here on planet Earth at the, at the, uh, at the millennial reign, the, th- the 1,000 glorious year reign of Jesus, but he would be coming from the ancient days. He would be coming from God to do that. But that's not what the text says. It says that he came to the ancient days and they brought him near and... Uh, brought him near and before him, and there was given him dominion and glory, etc. So that's when he was crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. There in the book of Revelation, chapter 19 and verse 12, it says, eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written, but that no man knew but he himself. Many crowns. Jesus rules. He rules in the affairs of men. He is king of kings. And all the kings, presidents, and chancellors, whatever. He's king of all of them. You look at nature. Well, he's the king of nature. Why, why is there such precision in the universe? Well, he upholds all things by the word of his power. He has rule and authority over the world that we live in. He has rule and power in the spiritual realm. He has rule and power in the Church, Jesus is our absolute monarch and king. It's not open for negotiation. It's not open for, well, are we going to do this or are we going to do that? Well, when it comes to the law of Christ, either we do it or we don't. Now, there are some things that, yeah, there's areas of judgment. Yeah, we're appointed to meet on the first day of the week. Now, what time we meet the first day of the week, now that's certainly an area of judgment. 
and brethren come to the agreement of what would be the most convenient opportune times. But the appointment to meet on the first day of the week to partake of the Lord's Supper, well, that, that's appointed by God. The, the king has already appointed that. It's not open for discussion. We just either do it or we don't. And so as we sing this song, we think about this song, we are to extol and to respect the great power of the Savior. And, as the song talks about, He's a universal Savior. You know, Jesus says, go and preach the gospel to every creature. Go preach to all nations, the Great Commission's uh, accounts give us. In Revelation chapter 5, it talks about uh, the great power of Jesus Christ. And it just extols. You, you have Revelation chapter 4, you see God upon the throne. Revelation chapter 5, you see Christ at the right hand of God. And there He rules and reigns as Messiah. There in Revelation chapter 5, let's look at these verses. It says in verse 9, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the, take the scroll and to open the seals thereof. For you were slain and have redeemed us, brought us back to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, and people and nation. And have made us unto our God a kingdom and priest, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousands and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy and it's to extol, to give praise, to hail his power, his riches, his wisdom, his, his strength, his honors, glory, his blessings. And every creature which is in heaven and under earth and uh, that are on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sits upon the throne uh, and unto the Lamb forever and ever. All creation gives glory and honor. The heavenly creatures give glory and honor. The question is, what about us as human beings? We're creatures of choice, as we studied about this morning. Everything is not so dead set predetermined of God making all the predetermined choices for everybody. No, we're creatures of choice. We have the power to choose. That's the way he made us. He didn't make us robots. He made us creatures of choice. We can have the choice to serve God, to give praise and honor to him. And so as we kind of blend now into the invitation, do you want to give praise and honor and glory to the Savior? You can do you want to submit unto Him? You can. But you have to do it. Well, I mean, we can talk to you about it. We can talk to you about His great power and His great mind. We talk to you about what Jesus says you've got to do to be saved. Believing in His death, burial, and resurrection. Repenting, turning from sin, turning to God. Confessing Him before men. Being baptized, which is an immersion. It's all in the plan of God, but it takes a wholehearted submission to the power of the living Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have to make the choice. I, we, we're here to help you. We're here to encourage you. We're here to instruct. We're here to, uh, to, to make it plain, to open the Scriptures. But you have to be the one that extols the power by, by submitting your will and rendering obedience to the, to the will of the Savior. And if you want Jesus to redeem you and to forgive your sins, you come and let us know. And if you want to become a Christian, you can do that even tonight. We've got garments. We've got a pool of water up here. Everything's made convenient. You can confess your faith before this good audience. And you can be immersed into Jesus Christ. And so when we sing this song, and uh, as a Christian, it'll have certainly new meaning. 
Because we'll be on the inside. You know, if we're outside the body of Christ, we're sort of looking out on the outside, looking in. But once you become a Christian, the song will take even a greater meaning, greater appreciation. And so if you want to submit to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we can help in any way, you come and let us know. We're together as we stand and as we sing.